everybody. Welcome to the Canine Inspired Podcast. This is Danielle, Aaron, and Beth. And we are here to explore the connection between humans and dogs and to give you some tools to strengthen your bond with your dog and with your community. Well, hey, everybody. Thanks for joining today's episode. Things are a little different this time. This is Erin, and I'm actually going to be interviewing Danielle today. Um, And we're going to be talking about frequently asked dog training questions. And some of you wrote in, some of you um, came to us with specific questions, and, and we're happy to help. So, Danielle... Thanks for doing this. Yeah, super excited to be here. Um, also, Mark Starry's on the mic, too, to jump in here and there with the male perspective. Right. <laughs> the male dog trainer. The male dog like trainer. The real male, open-hearted, I love my dog, and I'm still a real man who likes wrestling. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and I still like volunteering. Yes. Mm. Just so, so well-rounded. Yeah, I mean, what more could you... Yeah, exactly. Uh, So, Danielle, clearly you are a very talented dog trainer, and you have been for a long time. Um, And you have kind of carved out this niche of doing therapy dog work and supporting teams to train to be therapy dogs. So the first question is about therapy work. Mm -hmm. So first... Would you ever consider that a dog is too old to be a therapy dog? And if so, what's what would be the cutoff? Yeah. Well, first of all, I think all dogs are therapy dogs regardless of, well, not regardless. They're all therapy dogs to the people that own them first and foremost. So... Maybe your dog is, you know, never therapeutic to somebody outside the home, but it's there's still a lot that you can tap into with your relationship with your dog that's going to be um, therapeutic to you um, if you, you know, want to do that. Or just petting your dog on a daily basis has been showed to low, um, shown to lower um, blood pressure in clinical trials. So your dog is always going to be therapeutic to you. So then if we're going to extrapolate out from there, and talk about um, therapy dogs in volunteering or in working with other people. Uh, first of all, we should say that there, the distinction between therapy dogs and service dogs is something to um, to outline here. So service dogs are dogs that are placed with people with disabilities. Um, oftentimes, um, you know, people see dogs that aid the blind, hard of hearing, but more and more so dogs that are um, therapeutic to returning war vets that have PTSD and things like that. I think kind of a lot of people unwittingly use dogs this way without really knowing. Um, And certainly these dogs that are designated service dogs are highly trained, um, very much um, a smaller group than like a therapy dog would be because of the qualifications are just so much more stringent and they need to be. Um, so then there's the, that's the, that's the service dog. So then there's a therapy dog in a traditional sense was thought of as dogs that visit, visit hospitals and like nursing homes. These are dogs that are typically older that are, um, 
very calm. They sit and lay down and let the person pet them. They facilitate connection. It's awesome. What we've done now with Canine Inspired Change is kind of hone in on this a little bit more. Um, we hone in on it a little bit more, but we also open it up a little bit more um, because we want dogs to be connectors, but we also want them to be teachers of social emotional learning. So we have a curriculum. There's a group class that's happening. Kids are learning how to breathe with their dogs. Um, so we kind of have a whole other little side project, and I think there are some people um, doing this as well. Um, but I don't know that it's in a big organized, a big organization. To my knowledge, it's mostly like private psychotherapists or or um, psychologists that have their own dog and they train their dogs and, and use their dogs in their practice, which is so cool. Um, but um, I think we're in a small category of people that have now opened up to this um, usage of therapy dogs. So um, we call our dogs therapy dogs, but in my mind, it's like social emotional learning dogs. So there's that just little distinction as well. Um, so is there any dog that is not a therapy dog in the big overarching sense and that that dog is in your home and you interact with that dog? No, but a dog that would not be good to use in the general population where you are wanting your dog to interact with another human outside the home. Um, yeah, for sure. If they're, if the dog has extreme aggression, um, or on the other end of the spectrum, um, extreme fear. So we want a dog to be an even kind of tempered dog that doesn't um, kind of get thrown off their game by external stimulus like sirens and things like that. Um, and kind of a general kind of happy-go-lucky dog. But beyond that, if that dog does have all those things, um, you can train your dog. After that, it's just obedience. But now I'm just remembering you asked the if the dog was too old, right? <laughs> yeah. I, I, went, was, I was going to yeah. narrow it down yeah. a little. Okay, I went off on a tangent. So you, there's a <laughs> lot of info. Um, is the dog ever too old? Yes. You know, if the dog, if it is... So the bottom line for a dog to be a therapy dog is that they need to feel comfortable and good about whatever interaction is happening. So if the dog is... Um, el so elderly that it's, you know, it's hard for the dog to stand. It has a lot of pain. Um, we wouldn't want to ask the dog to come into a situation and work with somebody else. But, but other than that, if the dog is feeling well, um, able to be mobile without pain, then let's go. On the other end of the spectrum, do you think there is an ideal age to get a dog started? Yeah. With therapy dog work and, and specifically canine inspired change work? Yes. So, I mean, dogs can start right away from puppyhood. And, and even just in general puppy classes that don't have therapy dog work in mind, like one of the big things we want you to do is get your dog out and get them socialized. We want the dogs to see all types of different people. We want the dogs to hear sirens and see buses and see a sliding door and um, see somebody with a backpack and see somebody with a baseball hat. And so um, in the ideal world where you adopt a puppy, you would want to do that anyways. And that is important to do in 
therapy dog work as well. Right. And I think something that like, if folks have a lot of questions about like what kind of a dog is ideal, and if we you know narrow the scope to canine-inspired change work, um, I mean, you and I just this weekend had an experience of, um, we talked a lot about how canine-inspired change work is more active. So you have a dog like Sharpie mm-hmm. who you know, does agility work and is a little more high energy. That doesn't mean that dogs that have lower energy are not well suited for this work. So it, 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 in, it in, includes and it's very inclusive to, to all types of dogs. Yes. As a matter of fact, we want dogs to be a little more active because our course has jumps and tunnels in it. But also when we are working with a student population, we want them to see that dogs have bad moments as well because that's the truth people do dogs do um and so when a dog is let's say not able to settle we're having a group circle and and there's one dog that's just like not settling and wanting to get up and we'll just say you know what this dog is having a hard time settling down i wonder why that is have you ever felt that way what could we do and then oftentimes we talk about breathing and things like that um so those are oftentimes the best moments. And then on the flip side, um, we do have a student in, in our new class that has a dog that's just so relaxed. And, and she's like, I don't know if he'll go through a tunnel or a jump. And I'm like, but that's great, too, because in our group classes, there's oftentimes a student that's having a tough day. And we'll say, you know, would you like to go sit by this dog? And so then that student does not need to be active um, for part of the class, they can just hang out with a cuddly dog. So there's a, yes, there's a large range of things that we can do with kind of what we've uh, created over here at CIC. Right. And that's why I think it's so, the work that, that you do and that Canine Inspire Change does is that we see the broad spectrum of like dog personalities and dog ages. Mm-hmm. And that is also reflected in our in our students because it, it, yes, we work a lot with children, but we also work with adults too. And I think it's right. it's good to see that that reflection in the dogs that we work with. Right, um, and just I mean, dogs are connectors, and like just our class. Um, well, we've had two classes this week, which is so exciting. One was our therapy dog prep class, and then one was our class with Valley View, when we actually were teaching to students and doing fun things with them. Um, But in both classes, just to see people with their dogs on my Zoom screen (laughs) brought me a lot of joy. I mean, it just makes you feel good to see people with their dogs. At least it makes me feel good to see people with their dogs. And so then in doing that prep class, um, we did that one first. And then after that, a little bit later in the day, we had our um, school class I was like, well, just seeing other people with dogs, even if you have a dog, your own dog right by your side, seeing other people with their dogs does something to um, the, the I don't know, the energy level in the human or just makes you feel good. Um, and, you know, anything along along those lines, I think we'll grab onto any little piece that we can. Right. Our dog's the best. I mean, (laughs) somebody should create an organization centered around how dogs are super cool and connect to us. Oh, wait. 
<laughs> we did that. <laughs> it already exists. <laughs> well, we are going to go on to another question. Okay. We, you know, we just talked about therapy dog work and, you know, how, you know, all these like really positive interactions with dogs, but we also want to be real that, that sometimes relationships with dogs can be challenging. And sometimes there's Mm -hmm. behaviors that we as the humans need to work through with our dogs. Um, And so I had a question come in about leash reactivity Mm -hmm. and a dog that gets aggressive and wants to fight other dogs when they're on a leash. Yep. So this is pretty common um, because when you attach a leash to a dog, it removes their flight option. Some dogs are just cool with that. Other dogs are like, uh, wait a minute, I'm not sure about this. So if you go like to the base level of just protecting the self or feeling safe in the environment, it's fight, flight, or freeze. So once you connect a dog to a leash, the flight option's gone. So you have freeze or fight. And some dogs just go totally still. And I hear a lot too, like, oh, my dog, my dog was just, I was on a walk and he was like sniffing this other dog and this other dog was sniffing him. And I just like, nothing was happening. And then all of a sudden, you know, he growled and bit at the other dog. And it's like, well, he was probably just going still, he or she. Um, so that stillness, that freeze, is a prelude to the fight. So if you're seeing that with your dog just, just going totally still, which is different from just relaxed and hanging out, um, that would be an indication that you should stop the interaction with the other dog. Um, of course, there are times where the dog is like full on bark, 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 you know, pulling, lunging, you know, acting um, aggressively towards another dog. And, you know, there's a difference between excitement and aggression but it should be um, noted that that's a very close cousin to each other you know that that spectrum of so if you're like sure like this is aggression my dog is like very like tuning me out and it seems aggressive um, on this leash then yes there are a lot of things you can do but with any dog behavior you want to first of all be crystal clear in what's going on because you can like thought jump really easy and throw a story around it. So it's very good to just say, okay, this is the behavior. My dog is aggressive to other dogs on leash. Okay, done. So we want to, A, stop that behavior from being practiced because it's just, it's like any habituated behavior that you want to stop. You have to somehow get it to stop it from happening so then it's not the dog's go-to. And then... You want to replace it with the more desirable behavior. So there's a bunch of different things you can do. The first thing is what kind of leash are you using? And also when you're walking your dog, are they out in front of you? So if the answer is yes, the dog is out in front of you and pulling forward, that's going to increase the aggression level. Um, so you want to keep your dog next to you and if possible, switch them to the opposite side that the oncoming dog is coming on. And then also do a little bit of an arcing. So like if I'm coming towards you and I have my dog, my dog is starting to act aggressive and pull in front of me. I want to get him on a really short 
leash. So she's next to me. He or she is next to me. Um, and then switch them to the side that's going to be the furthest away from you and your dog. And then, if possible, like take a little arc up onto somebody's yard or onto the grass so that your your body is literally kind of forcing your dog to edge away from that other dog. That's a natural dog behavior that they will do um, when two oncoming dogs meet. If the one dog doesn't want the in, in interaction, they'll start to kind of sidle away, avoid. And so while your dog it might not be wanting to do that at all, if you physically support your dog in doing that, it's kind of like the brain will follow. That that is the hope, and then also to bring you know treats, 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 really, really super, super high value treats, um, and see can you get your dogs, uh, your dog to pay attention to you by stimulating their sense of smell, which is their strongest sense. So it's not that you're going to call their name. Actually, volume is. Is, is ramps this behavior up. So you get really quiet, you just, you take action, you get your dog close to you by, by tightening up on the leash. Um, you try to get their attention by not saying their name or talking loudly over the barking because that's gonna make it worse. You'll get your treat out and you like do a little nose tease, we call it. You just take the treat and like waft it under their nose. Um, see if you can get their attention in that way. And then you'll kind of engage a different part of their brain, which is like, oh, food, instead of, oh, let me go get this other dog. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Okay. And, and you, you had mentioned um, the type of leash. Do you, yeah. do you have, if, if a dog does present aggression mm -hmm. when it's on a leash, do you have recommendations like what kinds of leashes or even collars or harnesses? Yeah. It's so so specific to the dog and like yeah how big is the dog how big is the person to the dog you know relative to the dog are you strong enough to keep your dog back if you're not we have to look at something else um i would say the only thing to absolutely stay away from is a flexi lead um but um, I do just like the plain old harnesses, nothing fancy, where there's like an O-ring connector on the chest and a little flap on the back because you can connect to the dog's chest that way, which will give you more control over the dog and then, you know, less risk, less injury to the throat and, and all those things. But you definitely don't want to be attached to your dog's back in those situations. So if you have a harness that has a flap on the back, that's good for free time. Hey, free time, go sniff and do the things. But if you're attached to your dog's, your leash is attached to your dog's back, that's going to automatically put your dog's front legs, shoulders, and head way out in front of you, which if your dog's vision and smell is out ahead of you, you don't have a very good chance of becoming um, relevant to them, especially in a really stimulating situation or distracting situation i'll never forget when i when we first adopted wallace and i asked you about harnesses <laughs> and you said you know get a harness that has definitely has a clip in the front and if it has a clip in the back as well keep in mind that it is business in the front yeah yeah party in the back <laughs> yeah and like I the mullet <laughs> 
That is a good. Sometimes I say things I forget and then I hear them I'm like that was good. Yeah, business in the front, party in the back. Yeah, exactly. And there's a lot of fancy like um spendy harnesses out there that I don't really like. I the just the cheap plain ones with the o-ring at the front and and that o-ring should be said it's not meant to connect to that's just like holding the pieces of the harness together but we use it for that because it works so well it's like if you're thinking of if you're trying to stop somebody from like going off a cliff um you are more effective if you're a little bit in front of them with your hand on their chest than if you're behind them and just trying to grasp on to like their shirt it's kind of like that right that's okay. Every time I talk to people about harnesses, <laughs> I always bring that up. Um, let's go to let's go to one more question. Okay. This one is about car anxiety. Mm. So this dog, it seems like um, he or she is crying a lot, even if if the the car rides are are short. Hmm. Yes. Okay. Well, there's a few things you can do with that. Um, one, you can get a kennel and just have a car kennel. I did that with my one of my first dogs. She, I have all Australian shepherds, but my first Aussie was a standard Aussie. Not only would she cry in the car, but she would like run from window to window and like bite at the window because there was just too much movement. It's too much. It's too, for some dogs, it's too much movement. There's, you're whipping past stuff. Dogs have a pre-chase drive. They want to chase stuff. It's too much. So um, to get a kennel that you just keep strapped in your car um, is just a good practice regardless. Um, but then your dog goes right into that kennel and maybe, um, and that might be enough. Or um, you could even give them some type of like a Kong, like a peanut butter Kong, put them in the kennel, put them in a, give them a peanut butter Kong, and then they at least have something else to focus on. Like, right, if a dog's brain is a pie chart, whenever things are going out of whack, their whole pie chart is dedicated to that thing. Like, I'm freaking out in the car. If you can introduce something that is... Um, that has a strong sensory component to it. So in this case, like a Kong with peanut butter or something would stimulate the nose and the taste. Then that gives them at least a little piece of the pie would have to be carved out to it, to um, kind of focus on that. Um, and then also repetitive licking motions for dogs are super calming to them. Um, another thing you could try is a thunder shirt. Um, you know, Sometimes they do wonders for dogs and sometimes they don't do anything. But the thought about the thunder shirt, it's, it's you strap it on like during the thunderstorm or during any type of anxiety producing event. In this case, it would be the car ride. And it's like um, you have to focus on your body at least somewhat because you have this tight thing on you. It's almost like a, um, like a weighted blanket for a child with autism. It brings you back into your body rather than just, you know, up in the head, just freaking out great yeah well thanks danielle well i mean i like selfishly i just love to hear you talk about all dog training things you're just a wealth of knowledge so thank you for sharing that you're welcome mark do you have anything well, to add yeah i'm glad you talked about the made it clear the difference between a therapy dog and a service dog one of my dearest friends 
is a quadriplegic and has a service dog, Duke, one of my dog's uh, copper's best friends. Mm. And he does, he wants, he does online things, just educating people, saying the difference because when people buy those packs or whatever and put them on non-service dogs, bring them to hotels, restaurants, whatever, and they misbehave, it really ruins it for the people that actually have gone through all the yeah. training and paid the big money for their dogs that help them actually live yeah. and get their keys and open up the fridge and do everything yeah. they, they, they do. And I think people get really confused about that. And so I'm glad you, let, you made that straight yeah. for sure. Yeah, for sure. We should have him on the podcast. Absolutely. <laughs> he should. He's been on mine a million times. Oh, he's that'd a, be so fun. He's a quadriplegic, yet he's a full-time musician and artist. Okay, we want him on. Yeah, and his Steve dog. Steve Merrill, yes, absolutely. Okay. Um, and, and I should say that, you know, I am sympathetic to people that want to bring their dogs everywhere, but you do have a responsibility to have your dog be in fit shape to do that. Um, and you could easily take our course, our prep course right now, or a therapy dog class. We'll get you into that place where, you know, you just have to have a good heel position. You have to have a good heel. You have to be able to have the knowledge of how to guide your dog through the world in a responsible way. Like everybody should do that anyways. But, um, you know, if you are a person that really wants your dog with you at all times, there are things you can do to get into a really good place with that and you'll feel better about it, you know, whilst doing it. So there are options for you out there. Um, but yeah, you can just buy like stuff on Amazon and, and things. So, you know, I get it, but just a couple classes here or there will get you to a, to a nice place if you are a person that wants to do that. So a little in a bit of information, our, our, our coworker, Charlie, who works for the police department just sent me an article was the last year that it is now a fine. <gasps> is yes, it? Yes, yes. It's the the governor recently made it a fine illegal for you to do that. Really? Yes. Uh, 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 uh. Okay. Well, we're here for you. So if you are a person that's like, oh no, I gotta stop doing that. Okay, that's fine. Just take our class. We'll help you out. We'll get you there. Right. And I'm, I'm glad Mark brought that up because I think what, sometimes we, I, I say we, cause I include myself is, is we love our dogs and we want them to be out in public and interacting with other folks. Um, but they also, they have to have a certain level of, of, um, interaction that interactions that they can have like positive, healthy interactions that they can have with other dogs, other humans. And I think when we label a dog as, as a service dog, yeah, there's a certain level that they have to be at. And I, and we also, we, when we work with CIC teams and we train CIC teams, we also are holding them to a certain standard. Oh yes. Oh, absolutely. For sure. Um, and there is also, so there's also a test out there called the canine good citizens test, which is a nice, um, a nice thing to do too. Um, and that is, I believe backed by the AKC. Um, Amer- yep. Mark shaking his head. Yes. So, so that's another thing that you could do. However, that doesn't mean that your dog's a therapy dog. It certainly doesn't mean your dog's a service dog, like period. If you haven't gotten your ser- dog from a, a service dog training place, then you, you can't say you have a service dog, um, ethically, Um, However, you can get your dog to be therapy dog certified, um, and that is a a pretty 
pretty doable road for people to take. Um, and let's say you your dog isn't a therapy dog candidate. Let's say they are really aggressive. Well, you can still take the CGC and be a really responsible pet owner with your dog. You can still bring your dog places with you. They just, like... They can travel with you in the car. You can set your car up with a kennel in there. Um, you know, you can take them for a little walk before you go into whatever store you're going into. You know, there's things you can do. But, you know, you do just like anybody has responsibility to the society they live in. You know, um, as a human, like right now, we're wearing masks. Um, that's a kind thing to do. It's a responsible thing to do. Um, that extrapolates out to your dog. Right. And it, 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 there's just a full, like a, a broad spectrum. And, and like you said at the, in the beginning, all dogs are therapy dogs. Mm -hmm. And, and perhaps it's, it's the, just in your immediate house, you know, the people you live with and, right. and the relationship that you have with your dog, oh, like, yeah. that's beautiful. And that is, mm -hmm. that is therapeutic. And it doesn't have to be this big interaction with no. kids in school or wherever. Right. Yeah, and also we're doing a lot online now too, so um, that opens it up to even more dogs. And um, we're talking about, um, you know, having some different designations within Canine Inspired Change, such as this is an this is a virtual CIC therapy dog, this is a virtual and in real life CIC therapy dog, so that we can you know have people understand how to interact with their dogs um, in conjunction with somebody else. Um, even on your Zoom calls that you're doing with your families or whatever you know, medium you're using. So, you know, there's always a place for you to go and be supported and get involved. So hopefully we've given you some outlets here. Danielle, do you mind if I jump in with one question? No, please do. Um, so during this COVID time, it seems like a lot of dog owners are, are trying to find things to do with themselves and their dogs mm -hmm. and things. This is since we're doing the kind of touchy subject kind of stuff, the, yeah. the overall thing here. What do you, what's your thoughts on dog parks? Mm. Well, let's just say, first of all, a couple things that just came to my mind. One, I'm going to jump back to when I came in the office today, Kate, um, or program director was here with her dog and before I pet her dog I asked her is it okay if I pet Millie because I don't want to just pet anybody's dog at this point um during the high numbers of COVID so that being said I think that's a nice thing for people do to do just to ask you is it okay if I pet your dog um and then dog parks um I since like I started dog training I've never loved them I have had, and, and, and it could be because I just have been exposed to more dogs than most people, and so therefore I hear mo more stories. But I there's been a lot of tragedy that has happened at dog parks that I know of firsthand. Um, and it kind of like is talk, we're talking about like in society in general. Um, you would hope everybody would be responsible and kind. Of course, that's not the case. Um, so... Not everybody at the dog park is responsible just because not everybody in human nature is, you know, in humankind is responsible. So um, if you have a small dog, I think that's an even bigger problem. Um, if you have a larger dog, I think that, um, you know, 
the dangers less just because the dog is physically capable to run away from or, or defend itself easier if there was another aggressive dog there. Um, so I'm not a pre-COVID or post-COVID. I'm not a huge dog park pet. Uh, a fan. What I am a fan of is getting to know your neighbors, find a Facebook group, like how can we get together and let our dog, do we have like dogs that want to get together? Does somebody have a backyard? Let's get together and let these dogs run around and play together, get to know each other, do it responsibly. Not all dogs play well with all of their dogs. Um, different species play differently, which can then cause you know, problems. But I think, you know, especially in COVID times now, reach out to your neighbors, get to know each other a little bit better. And then if you have a big backyard where you can socially distance, you're not going to pet each other's dogs. Um, and you want to let the dogs play together. Um, I think that's a fine idea. Also, I'm a huge fan of having multiple dogs in the house too. So, or multiple (laughs) animals. So they kind of get that play, that same species play, you know, uh, in Here's my house. Solution, yeah, yeah. Folks, uh, just get more pets. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like that's the solution for everything, isn't it? In my house, I have an African gray parrot, two cats, and two dogs. And that is like the cat level has gone up and down and dog level as well. But so I don't know. I just I like living that way. But I do understand if people don't. I think it's a great thing to do. Know your neighbors and see if you can. Um, see if you can play, you know, see if you can create a play group. I think that's cool. Also, well, side benefit of that, you get to know your neighbors. And maybe if you have differing views, you still both love dogs. So, I listen, I have ended many familial conversations with, so how is your baby? Just like switching the subject. And let's just talk about dogs now to end this. And we that warms my heart regardless of anybody's belief system. So I think that's good. I think that's a great note to end on, Danielle, is dogs are, they're the great connector. Mm-hmm. They sure mm-hmm. are animals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for sharing all your knowledge, Danielle. Thank you, Mark, for, well, A, for producing the podcast, and B, for piping in with questions. Um, that's all for this episode, everybody. Thank you, Erin. Nice you. Sorry. Thank you, Aaron, just for Thanks, being Aaron. just a gen <laughs> in general an awesome woman and a good dog owner. Well, we're just gonna end this on like all all the love and yeah. to each other, I guess. Yeah. Um well to our listeners, we see I see you. You matter. And until next time, get out there and do, do good, good with, with your dog. dog. Bye. Bye. <laughs>